Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello, welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. And this is going to be part one of a two-part episode where we discuss all the movies that we've been watching this Halloween month so far. At least some of them. We're going to try to get through them all, but we might still have more to do. No, we're going to be talking about all the movies we watched so far. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. I, would thought, I was thinking we, about we all the not, movies in October. We're not we going to be talking about the movies that we watch in the future, because that would be a little difficult, but we are going to be talking about the movies we've watched so far. <laughs> Hi, my name's Mindy, and I, I do English really good. And she also is completely sober. <laughs> I am. That's the saddest part. <laughs> um, so, yeah, whether or not it was good, bad, everything in between, we're going to talk about everything we've watched so far. Um, my movies are all movies that I've never seen before. Every October, I try to watch 31 movies that I have not seen uh, with a few classics thrown in here or there. Sprinkled in, if you will. Yeah, but I always have like a really, really hard time trying to pick out the movies that I have not seen that I also actually want to watch because usually the ones that I haven't watched yet kind of are you know, shitty movies. <laughs> There's a reason you haven't watched them. <laughs> exactly. But this year I found so many movies that I want to watch that I haven't seen before. And maybe I'm just being less picky. But yeah, I, I tried to find movies that I haven't seen either. And I was sort of having a hard time too. Oh, see, I didn't have a hard time this year. You, normally I have a hard time. Let me reboot my brain. Hang on one, one second. <laughs> Should we start this whole intro over again? No, 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 no. No, this is beautiful. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right. I, I actually did, uh, at first I had a hard time this year, but then like once I, I guess, ramped up speed, I was going to say speed and steam at the same time. Speam? <laughs> um, I, I then, as recently as last night, was like, oh my God, and this, and this, and this, so... For us, October's not over yet, thank God, because now I have tons more movies I want to watch. But yeah, I needed to get in the mood a little bit. Yeah, I came up with a list of, I think, over 40 movies that I was like, okay, this is going to be my list of movies that I watch this month. And, you know, if some are, I'm unable to find them, then it's like, okay, I have backups. But then I started watching all these movies that weren't even on my list because I just like, you know, was searching through like Amazon and like there's a ton of crazy movies on Amazon. I love it. That I've love never so heard of before. And fuck Amazon. I hate that company. <laughs> but they do have some good free horror movies. They do. They do. They have lots of good ones, including one that I really wanted to see that's relatively new, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. So most of these are more obscure or hard to find movies. Um, so I was trying to watch a lot of things that maybe our listeners have not heard of or seen before. So hopefully we did a good job of finding some of those. Um, I will say that I have a few newer ones, but they're like, they, as I was saying to Sharon before we started recording, they were like new, new, like to Shudder, of which we're a big fan, or some or Hulu or whatever. So yes, new or old, hopefully these will be new to you guys. New, new on Hulu. <laughs> well done, Spencer. All right, so let's get to the movies. So the first movie that I'm going to talk about is What Have You Done to Solange, which is free on Amazon Prime. Uh, came out in 1972. It stars Fabio Testi, who is an Italian actor. Also, Camille Keaton, who is an American actress. She was the star of the original I Spit on Your Grave a lot of other foreign actors and actresses in this movie. It is a giallo film. Uh, it's set in London. It's about an Italian teacher who is having an affair with one of his students and takes her out on a boat. The student that he's having an affair with witnesses a knife killing on the shore while they're in the boat. He thinks she's making the whole thing up. But then the next morning, they learn that a teenager at their school was murdered on that riverbank. Uh, other gruesome murders start occurring shortly thereafter, and the teacher becomes the prime suspect. So he and his wife start to investigate the bizarre murders to find out who is behind them. This sounds very much like The Evil Eye, um, which I am is a Mario Bava movie. I was going to say I'm blanking on the director, but it's a Bava movie about a woman who sees a crime and is not 
initially believed. But this, I think I've either seen this a long time ago or it was on my list. So tell me what you thought, because I'm very excited to hear. You you may have seen it, but a lot of Giallo films have a similar, you know, mur- it's a murder mystery yeah. story. So it could have been something very, very similar. There's actually another movie on my list that is also very similar to this. Um, just a little bit of trivia uh, before we get into um, my thoughts on the film. So it was filmed in the UK, but it was produced by Italian and German film producers and starring Italian, German, Spanish, and other foreign actors and actresses, as I said. So being mindful of the American aver- aversion to dubbed foreign films with all a lot of these types of films are <laughs> dubbed and very badly dubbed. Um, the production team decided that the shooting would be exclusively made in English despite the accent of the actors. Consequently, the English looping coincided so well with the lip movement of the actors that no one in the U.S. noticed that the film was dubbed, which wow. is true. Like, I was like, okay... I'm guessing this is probably dubbed, but it was it was very, very well done. So it was not distracting where it took away from the quality of the film. That's smart. Yeah. So I really, really like this film. I would totally recommend it. It's a great mystery. It's unpredictable. I thought I had the story figured out, but totally okay. did not. It's a very, very good whodunit. And also like a why done it. <laughs> That's okay. Because I... Yeah, it. I don't want to give anything away. And this, oh, this is going to be a non-spoilery episode. I should have probably said that at the top, but I don't want to give anything away about any of these movies. Um, yeah, I I would agree, especially for something like this, like a, a whodunit. Yeah, um, it's not as gory as a typical giallo film but it does have its moments uh the method that the killer used to kill the teen girls in the film is a little bit disturbing uh so but they don't they don't show too much where it's like you know you want to shut it off because it's like that disturbing um but there are some really i mean disturbing visuals but also very um interesting and kind of beautiful and a very dark macabre way I mean the entire film was beautifully shot I was totally caught up in the story from beginning to end and it was just you know a real treat to look at and I've been wanting to watch this movie for a really really long time and I'm glad I finally watched it and would definitely recommend it to anyone and for those who don't know can you spell giallo and tell us a little bit about what that type of filmmaking is if you can describe that because I don't know okay so giallo g-i-a-l-l-o um I'm not an expert on this at all, but from my understanding is that giallo means yellow in Italian, kind of like the Pulp Fiction murder mystery novels that we have in the U.S. They had those in Europe as well, and they would be um, like a yellow cover on the book, which is kind of where it got its name. So it's a basically a murder mystery film. A lot of the movies are very bright colors and you know the they show the blood like a typical like argento where it's like this yes. thick red like paint looking blood mario bava was of the same ilk yeah. of that and and the dubbing a lot of times i actually found out like in suspiria was a stylistic choice mm-hmm. to make it look dubbed they they all kind of those directors i think kind of go in the same yeah travel in the same circles if you will yeah a lot of the um <laughs> You know, they have similar music. Uh, they have a similar um, style, like, um, you know, cinemagraphic or cine- cinematographically. Cinematographically? Yes. Is that okay? It is yeah, the word the, now. The way they shoot the film, you mm-hmm. know, like lots of like close ups of like the victim's face or close ups of, um, you know, the knife going into like the person's chest or whatever like that uh the the killer is usually like a masked killer or in the shadows or so but also you can have giallo films that have very muted colors and don't show a lot of violence or gore uh so it's it's a spectrum Mm -hmm. so all basically all the argento movies that you've watched with me that would all be an example of that so for those who don't know maybe we'll do an entire episode one day on giallo films 
Um, oh yeah, that's a good idea. But yeah, this is, and I'm sorry if I like got any of that information wrong because I know there's a lot of like diehard Giallo yeah. fans out there who are probably like listening to me right now. Like you're so fucking dumb. <laughs> then feel free to let us know in a friendly manner right? <laughs> how we fucked up and correct us. We are not experts. <laughs> All right, Minnie, what is your first movie? Well, let's go from highbrow to lowbrow right from the start. Um, I watched a movie called The Curse of Downers Grove uh, from 2015, directed by a gentleman named Derek Martini, like the drink. Um, Those of you who listen frequently know that we talk about being in or around the Chicagoland area here where we record. Uh, Downers Grove, Illinois is in fact an actual suburb, and this movie does take place in said suburb. Um, I'll get to what it's about in a second, but the movie was based on a book by someone named, a gentleman named... Uh, Michael Hornberg and the screenplay was written by Derek Martini and Brett Easton Ellis which if you don't know who that is give him a quick google and you'll find some interesting stuff but he also wrote uh the book of American Psycho um less than zero that 80s movie with uh Robert Downey Jr and yeah that's I'm blanking on who else Jamie Gertz I think was in it Opinionated Me says, I'll let the Googles tell you all what you need to know and form your opinion, but he's known for chauvinistic characters, which is actually noted on IMDb, which I think is really funny because he seems like he's kind of a chauvinistic guy, Brett Easton Ellis. But so when I saw that, I was right, like... Right, well, you know, that's what they say, right? Right? <laughs> well, yeah, and which is why it's brilliant that American Psycho was directed and adapted by a woman for the screen, I think. And but, don't pe- most people say that the movie is preferable to the book? Yeah. Okay. Yes. But she took what he wrote and turned it into pure genius, I think. Yeah. But we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about The Curse of Daughters Grove. So (laughs) this is from IMDb. A teen angst thriller at a high school gripped by an apparent curse that claims the life of a senior every year. The story follows a senior, Chrissy, who is skeptical, and another, Tracy, who believes that she may be the next victim. This movie is silly and and dumb, (laughs) in my opinion. And that's it. That's it. (laughs) I realized at the end of this that my junior high self, like my 13 or 14-year-old self, literally would have cried at the end of this movie. So if you have a junior high-aged kid... This might be a good one for them to watch because it's very geared toward teen mentality, I think, or tween mentality, and is overly sappy at the end. And I didn't think it was too scary, but discusses things like date rape and uh, bullying and not really curses, but superstition more so. So I wanted to mention this because, it, you know, maybe you're babysitting on Halloween night like Laurie Strode or you have cousins or a neighbor or somebody who's like, I want to get into horror. This might be an interesting way for them to get into that because it's not very scary. And I recommend it for that reason. But it's very silly and probably a good drinking movie, I would say, if you're older. So Curse of Downers Grove. There we go. <laughs> All right, so next up on my list is Curtains, which you can see on Amazon uh, for $1.99. Not sure where else you can find it, but that's how I watched it. Came out in 1983. Never heard of this movie, never saw it, but I've been seeing a lot of people watching this movie recently and posting about it on Instagram. It stars John Vernon, who's Dean Warmer from Animal House. (laughs) (laughs) And also Samantha Egger, who is in the movie The Brood, which is on my list uh, a little bit later. Nice. So we'll be talking about that. Um, The plot is six young actresses auditioning for a movie role at a remote mansion in the woods are targeted by a mysterious mass murderer. Why have I not seen this? (laughs) I don't know, because I think you might really, really enjoy it. (laughs) My thoughts on it, I like the film a lot and I don't know how this went under my radar for so long um it's like method acting to the extreme uh kind of the main this main actress um who was auditioning for the role originally before 
the director invited all these uh, young actresses to his remote mansion in the woods to audition for him. She actually committed herself to an insane asylum to get into the role of the character that she was going to play. Whoa. And he left her there. And this is all happens within like in the beginning of the movie. So I know, but I'm into it already. Yeah. It didn't really, hopefully that didn't spoil anything. There's, Creepy ass dolls and mannequins, which reminded me of Tourist Trap. Um, so oh, yeah. Speaking of Tourist Trap, I recently bought the Blu-ray. Shut up. We haven't checked oh, it yes. out yet, but it's got, I think, possibly a commentary. It might even be the unrated version. Oh, I love that I'm, movie. I'm super excited to watch that. Yeah, we got this cool. Like, oh, and I think it comes with an action figure of the guy too. Yes, we got this cool box set with an action figure and everything, and I haven't posted about that yet, so I'm gonna have mm. to do that. Um, it's a really cool box set. Anyway. The killer in this movie also has a super creepy fucking mask that's like nightmare inducing. Uh, there was one good jump scare that got me. The rest of it was more tension. Um, lots of unique camera angles. The cinematography was good. Um, for a low budget film, especially like it was, I think very well done. The lighting that was used in the film is something you normally don't see in a low-budget horror movie as well. So, like, the production value of this film was good. The acting was all really good. The storyline was unique. I mean, they used some similar tropes, like strangers going to stay at a mansion in some, like, remote location. Like, that's been done many, many times before, but it puts a new spin on it. And I also liked the ending a lot. It was kind of unexpected so Ooh. and spencer started watching this movie with me and then he had to go to bed so he doesn't even know how it ends Ooh, i want to see it now it sounds good yeah i definitely would recommend this one okay well since we're on the subject of being in a random place in the middle of nowhere i'm going to talk about this is actually a new movie that came out just this year in 2020 but as far as i know i just saw this added to shutter and it's called scare me it's written and directed and co-starring Josh Rubin, who I don't know and have not really seen in anything else. Um, but it's funny because I was watching this movie and then texted a friend of mine who was watching a show on Amazon. And is it Aya Cash? This, the actress, she is also in the TV series The Boys, which is on Amazon. That's and a good show. Okay, so she, so I texted my friend and was like, oh, I'm watching Scare Me and it's really good. And he was like, Aya Cash is having a moment because she's a, he had just finished The Boys as I was watching Scare Me and she's in that too. So that was kind of fun. But Scare Me, um, the IMDb again, the IMDb description is during a power outage, two strangers tell scary stories. The more Fred and Fanny commit to their tales, the more the stories come to life in their Catskills cabin. The horrors of reality manifest when Fred confronts his ultimate fear. So it kind of sounds like Baghead. No. Okay. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. I had forgotten about that movie until just now. Fanny... Uh, Cash's character is actually she's actually written a horror novel named Venus that is currently like in the world of the movie like the novel in horror Um, and randomly I should probably back up but the film opens with Josh Rubin's character um, who's Fred in a lift out to this cabin in the middle (laughs) of the woods um, because he wants to be a writer and he needs space away and so what do you do when you need space from Go to a cabin in the woods. Yeah, exactly. I want someone to do a horror movie about an apartment in midtown Manhattan that's haunted as fuck. Or like (laughs) my apartment. I've always said, because my apartment with the acoustics, we could do a great horror movie in there. I've always said that we should do that. But that's besides the point. So Fred is out jogging one day and meets Fanny. And she happens to mention that she's a writer too. They get to talking. Her character's very sarcastic. And cut to the chase. And fan- she's amazing. I love her. Strong female character. Um, she mentions who she is. He kind of freaks out because he's a fanboy. And she's staying in a cabin near him. As I've described in the description of the movie, there's a power outage. She bangs on his window to see you know, how he's faring or whatever. And so then 
they sit down together and engage in this really awesome conversation about what is a story, what makes a story, what's a good story. And he's like, I'm writing this book about this kid whose parents get killed by a werewolf when he's little, so he's going to take revenge on the werewolf. And she's like, okay, but details. And he doesn't know what to say. So they start telling each other scary stories. And she's like, all right, I want you to scare me. I genuinely want you to scare me. And it's really interesting. I actually thought of Spencer throughout like most of this because they talk a lot about like building story. What like what makes a horror story good? Like it's not just the basic premise. It's all the little details in between. And then they start acting out their own stories for each other. And I don't want to say too much because the ending was a funny little kick in the pants. Um, Yes, Sharon? Here's the question. Did it scare you? (laughs) Not really, but it was engaging the entire time. And it got more and more creative as it went. Okay. Especially when they were telling each other stories to scare each other. And they, they really took some really interesting liberties with how we, as the audience, were perceiving their imagination as they're telling these stories. It was really well done. I highly recommend it. It is funny. And of course, I really respect, obviously, this movie written and directed by a dude, which this isn't really a huge spoiler because I feel like you can tell almost from the beginning, beginning but like he's clearly... Somebody at one point says he's emasculated by the fact that, like, here's this woman who can, like, knock down his idea in two seconds, and she is a best-selling horror writer doing what he wants to do. And it's just nice to see that dynamic of the woman being the quick-witted one and the smart one and the one that actually can point out the, the flaws and the holes in the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit meta, but not too much. But I recommend it. I, it, it. It is a little creepy, like I said, when they start to get into the storytelling. They do some really fun stuff. But it's more of a fun movie than it is anything. But I really enjoyed it. I recommend it. So I've not heard great things about this movie. Really? Yeah. I'm guessing that's probably why, though, is because it's it's it sounds like it's more of... Um, like a, <laughs> if Noah Baumbach <laughs> were to write a horror quote horror movie uh this would be it it sounds like and I have a lot of friends that are writers so like yeah watching that and having her call out when he'd start to like tell his story and have her be like no not scared first of all I thought of both of you but is that accurate like if Noah Baumbach were to write a horror movie would this is it that type of movie where it's like literally it's goofier than that okay well some of his movies are pretty Goofy. I mean, there's very serious yeah undertones. Are like, oh, I mean, his yeah, his movies. But it's they a go more, back and forth. It's more about how you tell a story. Okay. And I, I I could see if somebody was looking to get scared, they would be disappointed because I didn't like get scared okay. by it. But I I got creeped out at moments, but I enjoyed it 100 percent the entire way through. Okay. I mean, and I I love those type of movies. Where... I I thought of both of you instantly. All right. Yeah. Instantly. I think I even texted you as I was watching it. Like, you should really watch this with Spencer because I think that you guys would really like it. If the dialogue's good and the yes. characters are interesting, I can sit and watch a movie where it's just two people in a room for an hour and a half talking. There's a few more people, but I'm not going to talk about who they are or why. Cool. But well, yeah, I recommend it. Well, let's move on to a not so recent movie. Yeah. Uh, Peeping Tom. Ooh, and I watched this one too. Which. We actually briefly mentioned this in last week's episode with um, our little experiment with Jessica. We were talking about Psycho and I brought up Peeping Tom because supposedly that might have been one of the first slasher movies ever made. It's free on Amazon Prime. It came out in 1960, which also is the same year that Psycho came out. It stars Carl Ugh. This is a German name that I'm going to fuck <laughs> up right now. Karl Heinz ba- Baum? Baum? Yeah. Spencer? I think that sounds good. Sure. Karl Heinz Baum. And uh, Anna Massey. Not really. I mean, they've both done a lot of stuff. Not right. familiar with either. Um, the plot of the film is a young male photographer in London. Wait, what? I have a young male photographer in London. A young man murders woman. <laughs> 
<laughs> was I drunk when I wrote this? Very uh, likely. Hold up. Let me correct this. So a young male photographer in London murders women using a movie camera to film their dying expressions of terror. Can I just say that the way you said that sounds like he murders women with a movie camera? Well, well. Okay, fair, well, fair point, not, fair point. I don't want to give anything away. Um, yeah, just watch it. <laughs> you, I, I highly recommend you watch this one, Spencer. And I'll rewatch it with you because... Spencer, there's some stuff you might poop a little uh, in an excited manner. <laughs> I remember... Okay, I, don't, I don't know why that would happen, but... <laughs> the cinematography. I remember in film school, this one was actually mentioned in one of my classes, but I had never seen it. But then when Sharon was watching it, I watched the first maybe 10 or, or I ended up watching maybe 10 or 15 minutes of it, which was beautiful. Yeah, it's The gorgeous. way it's shot, the colors, everything, it's beautiful. So I would really like to actually watch the rest of it, but... So, well, a little bit of trivia... Just to tell you how beautiful and amazing this is, this is one of Martin Scorsese's Scorsese, Scorsese. I like to say Scorsese. Scorsese. This is one of Martin Scorsese's favorite films. So, um, and as I said, the film is regarded as one of the first slasher films in horror movie history, and there was public outcry about the film that resulted from it being pulled from British cinemas just five days after being released, and it was banned for many years. So you were saying that this came out in 1960, which was the year that Psycho came out. Yeah. So people were cool with Psycho, but not with this? This is way more graphic than Psycho, and See, I'll I... get to that. Well, okay, okay. No. I'm going to shut up. It totally is. It totally is. You're right. Um, and why aren't we celebrating the 60th anniversary of this movie this year? Are we celebrating the 60th anniversary of Psycho? I don't know. Take a shower and find out. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> All right. So I don't think I, I need to say it again, but I really liked this <laughs> film a lot. Yeah, um, it was great. <laughs> and it does deserve a second watch to kind of take everything in um, to appreciate all the, the, the cinematography and the lighting and the just the... the like everything about it, it was just so well done and well thought out. And when you think that this was from 1960, 100%. It's like kind of insane that they made this movie at this time because this is, you think about some of the other movies that came out around this time, and it's like freaking what, Mary Poppins? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that there are certain shots that. And again, I don't want to be too spoilery, but there are certain shots that literally made me go, wait, holy shit, are they, did they actually do this in 1960? Which I think you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, it's, it's set but, a precedent for sure. And that other films have copied, which um, I feel like is pretty clear, but still so worth witnessing. Like it's, yeah, it was, it was a great watch. Yeah. It was very ahead of its time for sure. But the reason why I think it's worse than Psycho, it deals with themes of pornography, sex work, spousal abuse, snuff film, um, fetishes, and child abuse. So the main character of this film, you find out, is basically... Spoiler alert. Uh, okay. Ish. Damn it. It's fine. I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to cut... For this one, I think we need to be I'm going to cut that part out, and I'm just going to say that the main character of the film... It, it kind of plays into the whole nature versus nurture question. Ah. Could this have been prevented or was this killer created because of the way they were raised? Mm. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Yep. Once again, coming back to like the color palette of this film is something that I can see Argento being completely like inspired or influenced by. Yep. There was one scene that was so beautifully lit with like, one part of the set was green and one part was red and one was purple and blue and orange and yellow. And it was all in one room and there would be like one area of the floor that would be lit bright green. And then the table that would be on top of that floor was lit bright red. And then like 10 feet away from that, something would be lit all in purple and everything just glowed. And that is so hard to do 
I mean, on a, a grand scale, like a set like that, you see something like this that's on a huge soundstage and it's like, holy shit, the amount of time and effort it took into like lighting just this one scene that lasted for like 60 seconds is like insane. There's a lot to say about this movie and I, yeah, I'm really glad I watched it. So thank you, Sharon, yeah, for mentioning the, it. The last thing I'm going to say before we move on, because we have a lot of movies to cover, um, my favorite character was the, the main female's lead, her mother, who was this blind woman who was like a total fucking badass. Fucking A, yes. Uh, she was the smartest character in the film, and she was also like, I think, a raging alcoholic. But she was rad as fuck. She would just sit there like drinking like her whole bot, you know, a bottle of whiskey. Uh, but her whole thing was like she knew people better because of sound, which I won't go into any more than that. But it in like was a sixth sense fantastic. that she had, fantastic. Yeah, and it was it was the sound, but it was also just like she had this sixth sense that she could use, where she could totally tell like a person's character just based on like their presence. But mm-hmm. it was yeah. And I had a funny comment about the ending, but I might have to say that to you off air. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yep, I'm gonna say we both highly recommend this film. Yeah, and I would 100 percent watch it again. Because I do feel like, especially the first time around, you're always like trying to figure out what's going to happen or whatever. And so it would be nice to watch it having seen it once and kind of be able to relax and then take the rest of it it. in. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go across the sea. Well, actually, we were just in London. So we're not really going to go that far across the seas. But from America, we're going to go across the seas to South Korea. Um, I watched this movie on Shudder called Don't Click. It's from 2012. Um, It stars nobody that I really know. (laughs) So the basic plot, a rumored quote-unquote forbidden video online that, when watched in entirety, curses the watcher to death. Wait, what year? 2012. Uh, It's not a found footage movie. Like, it's not shot like that. Um, But it's kind of, Basically, a Ringu slash Juan mashup for the early digital age, which uh, the American remakes, of course, of those were The Ring and The Grudge. Um, The story follows two sisters. I'm sorry to anyone who is Korean. I'm not great with pronunciation. But um, Sihi is the older sister who lives with and slash is sort of the guardian of her high school age sister, uh, Jung Mi. Uh, it's mentioned in passing that their parents took a job in the States. So the two girls are kind of left in the home, family home back in South Korea. And so uh, Jung Mi posts videos on for fun on like an early days kind of YouTube site. Um, and then hears about this forbidden video on the dark web that's supposedly haunted. So she approaches her older sister's somewhat estranged boyfriend who conveniently is an IT grad whose day job is maintaining networks and or patrolling the dark web for local cops, essentially. Um, So he downloads this video for her onto a thumb drive. She watches it in entirety and hence scary shit starts happening. Um, The movie started out pretty promising despite the obvious coattail ride on the success of Juwan and the Ringu films slash franchises. Um, There were some decent scare moments early on, but unfortunately it kind of fell into predictable territory as the movie progressed. Um, Nostalgically, I thought it was really fun because there were like early views of the internet and older computers (laughs) and all of the cell phones were flip phones, like, like razor type. Or even before. So that was kind of fun to watch. Unfortunately, I became less and less fun. I still fun. have a flip phone. Shut up. <laughs> I miss my razor. I really do. I'm not kidding. I love that phone. Um, unfortunately, I became kind of less and less fond of the main characters as the movie went on. And by the end, I was kind of just waiting for them to get on with killing everybody. Um, so if you're a fan of the K-horror genre, which is Korean horror or movies that take pop culture themes, sharing personal info online, urban legends about the dark web, urban legends in general, etc. I'd give it a watch with a few drinks. Um, I didn't hate it, but I found it to be about average. And again, this was I watched this on Shutter, but I think it's available elsewhere. Hmm. So, all right, yeah, I'm not as big a fan of Korean horror films as you are, so 
They're usually scary as fuck. Or Japanese horror films. I find them. I thought the first Ringu scared the shit out of me. So, all right. So back to the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna we're gonna cross continents throughout this entire Um, discussion. I watched The Brood, which um, is a David Cronenberg film. Uh, came out in 1979. I watched it on Amazon for $3.99. Um, I'm sure you can find it somewhere for free. Good luck finding that. Uh- <laughs> I think the Criterion channel, if anybody subscribes to that, I think they have it for free. Thank you, Mindy. But Spencer's he has this app where you just put in the name of a movie or show or whatever, and it tells you everywhere to find it. So uh, he's looking it up right now. You don't know that, but I am. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He's actually looking at porn. <laughs> um, yes, it's While on. we're recording, Spencer's so inappropriate. Uh, HBO Max, if you have that, the Criterion Channel app, and Canopy with a K. Uh, it's streaming for free on those. And then, yes, Amazon for four bucks. Dude, there is like all these new streaming services that I've never heard of before. Yeah. Canopy. Okay, everyone, go... go to your canopy. HBO Max, though, you guys can access because you have an HBO account. Well, you know what? We already watched and paid three fucking ninety nine. <laughs> I don't think I was around when she uh, turned it on. Oh, by the way, Spencer, Sharon paid three ninety nine to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get the emails from Amazon. <laughs> You're welcome, Jeff Bezos. Anyways. <laughs> You're welcome, Cronenberg. <laughs> Hope you got your dollar royalties. Yeah. Um, so... As I said, directed by David Cronenberg, stars Samantha Egger, who is also in Curtains. It has Art Hindle. You may not know the name, Mindy, but he is in Black Christmas. He played the boyfriend. Yes. Of okay, you didn't know the name because you're a nerd. Um, <laughs> well, no, you finish your sentence. So other people. Oh yeah. So he. he other people are not nerds like me. Mindy's like, oh yeah, Art Hindle. I follow. Because he's the Santa. Or he's like, ho, ho, fucking ho, stupid brats. No, he's the boyfriend of the first chick who gets murdered in Black mm-hmm. Christmas. Oh, that guy. Oh, I was thinking of somebody else. Never mind. Oh, not so smart now, are you? Oh. <laughs> um, okay. That guy's hot. He is kind of cute in a weird way. I, I He kind of looks like Peter Dinklage. <laughs> like, he does. I don't see that at all, but okay. No, he's not a bad-looking guy. No, he's not a bad, yeah. He has a very similar facial structure. You're right. He, so he, many. He doesn't have the I dark hair. Christmas. Bitch, he looks like Peter Dinklage. No, I can see what you're saying, yeah. but no, he doesn't. Their no. head, their, yeah, their facial see, structure is very similar. I do see what you're saying. Anyways. Yeah. All right. So it starts <laughs> Art Handle from Black Christmas. Um, and then not the guy I was thinking of. And also Oliver Reed, who was in Gladiator and The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh, he's been in like, Oliver Reed's been in a shit ton load of stuff. Once again, Mindy's a nerd. I know. He was in uh, Oliver. Know. He was in Tommy. He was in. Right? Haven't, haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. But thank you. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was. But also, you thought you knew who Art Hindle was. I was thinking of the other. <gasps> Anyways, so. It. The Brood is about a man who tries to uncover an unconventional psychologist therapy techniques that are being used on his institutionalized wife amidst a series of brutal murders performed by strangely deformed children. Mindy, have you seen this movie? It's on my list. I've not seen okay. it, which is why I'm really excited to hear you talk about it. I've seen a few of Cronenberg's films, and I'm kind of torn. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I can't say like I, I'm an uber fan of his. Right. But I, I like his movies, um, but he definitely has a style. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, so this movie is, I did not know this, but I guess it's notorious for being uh, a film that he wrote following the tumultuous divorce and child custody battle that he had with his ex-wife. At that time, his then wife belonged to what he thought was a cult. Whoa. And so he did kidnap his own daughter <gasps> in order to protect her. Holy shit, I knew none of this. I knew none of that either. Apparently, it's very well-known, though. Um, And I did not find that out until I was researching this film. So it's definitely more of a psychological horror movie. And because it's Cronenberg, 
I was expecting the movie to be a lot more grotesque considering it is a Cronenberg film, but for the most part, the violence and the gore weren't really too bad. And I was thinking the entire time I was watching it, like, this is Cronenberg. And then (laughs) at, like, the very, very end, there was this, like, super fucked up part. And anyone who has seen this movie knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, boy. But I'm not going to ruin it for you. But I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is... Cronenberg right here um but it was basically what I was waiting for like the whole time really okay yeah because like earlier in the movie the blood is like leave that in nope (laughs) earlier in the movie like the blood and the violence it's just kind of like cheesy looks like almost someone like painted like red paint on someone's face after they're murdered instead of like their face being crushed in like it should have been. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So it's not scary, but it definitely makes you feel uneasy. Like a lot of his work does. Um, So yeah, I would, I would recommend it. Um, But it's not his, um, I don't think it's his best, but it's good. Okay. I I liked it. Well, let's stick with the visionaries, I guess you could say, and we'll talk about, I watched the movie Sisters um, from 1972, starring Margot Kidder, speaking of Black Christmas, uh, and this one's directed by Brian De Palma. Okay. The IMDb description is very short, but it says, a small-time reporter tries to convince the police she saw a murder in the apartment across from hers. And this is a movie that I genuinely realize I now cannot say very much about at all. So I didn't really look this trivia up too much, but I do know from watching, actually, the Black Christmas uh, special edition Blu-ray that I got that Margot Kidder, I think, was involved with Brian De Palma while this was being made all i'm gonna say is that uh margot kidder her character is upset because she believes that her twin sister from who from whom she's estranged is behind some of these murders and that's all i'm gonna say like i really realize now that i cannot say very much about this at all i had i'm still processing it too that's the other half of it it reminded me kind of thematically a little bit of repulsion in a way um, by Roman Polanski. Yes. Um, it's well worth a watch. It, it was a great movie. I love Margot Kidder. Like I've always loved her and I feel kind of bad for how things went for her ultimately. Yeah. Um, and I feel like De Palma, I think this movie was kind of, it had a lot to do from what I read in interviews with her because she mentions De Palma a lot. So I feel like this movie was sort of a touchstone for her um but it was kind of an obvious from the beginning but not so much that's all I'm gonna say kind of movie but it's well worth watching for the performances this all sounds very vague and shitty I'm sorry but I just there's nothing I could say that won't be a spoiler (laughs) and I just don't really don't want to say anything about this but it's it's I want to watch it again is it scary It's a psychological thriller, I would say. It is billed... IMDb does... That's what I was actually just looking up, is that IMDb does say that it's considered horror mystery thriller, but I would say more mystery thriller. There are stabby-stabby moments, but (laughs) I feel like it's more mystery thriller than horror, but you can judge for yourself. But it's uh, rated R. I saw it on... I'm pretty sure it's available on Shutter. You can rent it from Prime, but it's a good watch. And uh, if anyone, I don't think there's anyone who doubts Margot Kidder's talent, but uh, if you do, watch this movie and you won't anymore because she's amazing in it. Like, straight up awesome. Cool. Amazing in it. So, yeah. All right. I will add that one to my list. Uh, Next up. The stuff, which oh yeah, I wanted this was on my list. I didn't get to it. <laughs> I totally got this question wrong in last year's horror movie trivia and pumpkin beer tasting. I will say one of our listeners, Jim, actually texted me and like scolded me for getting that <laughs> question wrong. I got and it. Was well, like, I think have you never wrong. seen the stuff? And I hadn't. So I need to change that. Sharon, school me. Uh, yeah, it's free on Amazon Prime, so you have no I excuse. I was gonna watch it, I just didn't have time. <laughs> it came out in 1985, directed by Larry Cohen. It stars Michael Moriarty, Garrett Morris, Paul Sorvino, and Danny Aiello. 
Basically, a delicious, mysterious goo that oozes from the earth is marketed as the newest dessert sensation, but the tasty treat rots more than teeth when zombie-like snackers who only want to consume more of the strange substance at any cost begin infesting the world. A couple interesting uh, facts. Um, So there's a scene in The Stuff that takes place in a motel where the stuff starts coming out of the mattress and pillows and attacks a man on the wall and the ceiling. And it was shot in the exact room that was used in a nightmare on Elm street. When Johnny Depp's character, Glenn is sucked into his bed and his blood shoots back out onto no the ceiling. Way. Yeah. I mean, if you have a room like that, why not use it for, you know, multiple uses who makes rooms like that, that like spin up to down and rotate. And this came out a year, I think, after Nightmare on Elm Street. So, yeah. According to director Larry Cohen, in some, in some scenes in which the stuff chases characters, a foam made of blended fish bones was used, which sounds absolutely fucking disgusting. That does sound gross. And apparently it stank so much that as soon as the shots were done, the actors ran into a nearby river in order to bathe and get rid of the stench. Oh, my God. The- so some of the other substances that were used for the stuff, I was totally saying marshmallow fluff because that's what it looks like. But apparently it was uh, Haagen-Dazs ice cream, Ew. yogurt, and then for one scene involving an enormous avalanche the st- where the stuff came crashing through a wall, they used fire extinguishing foam. So, and also Clara Peller, who is better known as the Where's the Beef Lady. Shut your mouth. From the Wendy's commercials, was actually in the movie. No way. In a fake commercial for the stuff, asking instead, where's the stuff? (laughs) Oh, I got to watch this like yesterday. (laughs) So I don't have a ton of thoughts on this movie other than Michael Moriarty totally makes this movie okay if he was not in it the movie would have i think like gone into oblivion and no one would have fucking known about it but he is such a likable character his character's like smart and charming and funny he's kind of like a southern 007 you know like, interesting very interesting because like at first i did not like his character at all but i didn't really know like who he was or what his angle was and i was like okay he's like he's a good guy and he's trying to investigate this um but he was fucking great uh the special effects are like completely laughable the movie's just like over the top ridiculous and as an 80s kid you might know who these people are but scott and brian bloom are both in it (gasps) and they were like on who's the boss (laughs) I think they were like Alyssa Milano's like boyfriends and friends or whatever. I don't know. Oh my know. God, we're so old, Sharon. They're like 80s, like heartthrobs and both of them are in this movie together. Awesome. Oh my God. I need to watch this. <laughs> one more than the other. One more than the other for sure. The younger one, which I forget that Scott O'Brien. But um, yeah, it was just... Oh, I had such crushes, I think. Right? I they were so cute. I'm pretty sure I had posters of one of them on my bedroom wall. <laughs> Torn out of a bot magazine, plastered on my wall. There's still one on our bedroom wall. <laughs> this, no, this... that's that's a Corey. <laughs> oh right, I, I mix them all up. He can't get them straight. Oh don't. Oh Corey <laughs> and Brian are like two. Nay, yeah, please. two different people. This Adios. movie is fascinating to me because this is one of the few that I actually did watch with Sharon. Um, <laughs> it's. Some of the things are just so bad, and I so I had so many questions, so many major plot holes, or there's just information that they didn't give you. But then at other times, I was like, "This is amazing!" And like the the commenting on um, capitalism and and whatever that is, yeah, it, it was it, it's 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 a really it's worth watching. But there are some issues i thought of slusho immediately which is the the drink from japan that in so yes this is going to expose how nerdy i actually am when cloverfield would was initially released they did a viral campaign a viral marketing campaign online and it's mentioned very briefly in the actual movie but the job that the main character is leaving for in Cloverfield is to go to Japan to work for this company. And his brother's wearing the t-shirt that says Slusho, 
which was a drink that was basically made of like something like the stuff. Um, and then in, because J.J. Abrams was behind the original Cloverfield in the very first reboot Star Trek movie, young Captain Kirk sits down at the bar at, in an early scene and says, I'd like to order a slush special. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but it was very much the stuff based, I think, because it was based off of like this random shit they found in the ocean that event it is related to the Cloverfield monster, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But that's backstory that's not in the movie. And immediately I just thought Slusho when you started talking about this. Nobody is doubting your nerdiness, Mindy. <laughs> there, will some, there will be some people that back me up on this story because it, it's true and it exists and it was online and it was a thing. But A lot of our listeners are like, how is she so bad at trivia? <laughs> she knows. Right? All this. this is my question. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Maybe, Please continue. Maybe you and I should write questions and challenge <gasps> some of our listeners. Ooh. I think that write us tell us if you're down with that yeah if you want to be challenged by a right couple, now Jim's like I'm on it a couple of whores <laughs> write us and let us know <laughs> all right Minnie what you what do you got so I'm gonna go older than this stuff um I watched The Skull from 1965 directed by Freddie Francis uh, it's the Freddie Francis <laughs> shut your mouth it stars <laughs> Peter Cushing I have a movie that stars Peter Cushing, too. Actually, no, it doesn't star him, but he's in it. Well, he stars in this one, and there is a special appearance by Christopher Lee. Um, It is, well, so this is from IMDb. A collector comes into possession of the skull of the Marquis de Sade and learns it is possessed by an evil spirit. And that's the basic plot, basically. And it's kind of your run-of-the-mill Vincent Price like esque movies of the sixties, um, but it was just really really fun. Is Vincent when, Price in it? No, he's not. Oh. But it just it feels it's like, that kind of feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of special effects. It was really really fun. Does but, the skull make you have like crazy sex? S and M. No, but spoiler <laughs> alert: the skull is kind of haunted. Okay. Um, but you said it's like it's the Marquis de Sade skull. So. Right. No, I know, but it's from nineteen sixty five, so there wasn't a whole lot of sexy stuff happening. Nah, that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> well, <laughs> can we, always remake it. Yeah, let's remake The Skull starring, um, I'm picturing like Madonna's like erotica video. <laughs> but it was a fun, fun watch. With ghosts. <laughs> oh my God. It was a fun watch. Uh, this one I watched on, I think Shudder as well, but it was also available on Amazon. I watched a lot of stuff that was available in multiple places, but... Um, it was just a fun 1965 watch. I, I don't really know what else to say without being fun, not scary. Do you recommend it? Yes, I do recommend okay. it. And yes, fun, not scary, but definitely a lot of fun. Cool. And old school and campy and great. I like those movies. It's, I do too. They're like good to watch, like, you know, bowl of popcorn, like sit down with the family even and like binge just like a bunch of those type of movies in a row that's actually what my parents like literally do for thanksgiving like we have the uh el rey network on like constantly which is robert rodriguez's actual cable channel named after the character in his uh grindhouse film and it's all like bad um godzilla movies and monster movies and that's my parents just like have it running that is actually what my family does for the holidays. Cool. But this is, a, yes, this is one of those movies that would fall into that category. And I just, I just felt like it was very fun and nostalgic. And yes. Well, it's funny that like neither of us consulted each other, except for the exception of Peeping Tom, Peeping Tom which I was like, watch this fucking movie. To be clear, Sharon actually sent me, she texted me a screenshot. She took of her TV of one of the scenes and was like, isn't this gorgeous? And I was like, I'm going to turn it on right now. <laughs> but other than that, we didn't tell each other no. any of the movies that we watch. And our lists are kind of just like random in the order that we watched them. But I'm going to stay on the same track as you. Okay. And I'm going to go back even a little further. What? <laughs> to... The Creature from the Black Lagoon. <gasps> yes! I love this. I have seen this, and I love this. <laughs> All right. This is another question I got wrong in last year's trivia. So basically, like, I did a bunch of redemption watches this year. 
Um, this is free on demand if you have TM or TCM, um, or I watched it on Amazon for three ninety nine. Spent way too much money on Amazon. Heads up, Spencer. <laughs> I watched this one too, actually. Yeah, we watched it together. Um, so this one came out in nineteen fifty four. It stars. Richard Carlson and Julie Adams, if you know who they are. Oh, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's about a scientific expedition searching for fossils. And I, I, I'm going to say, I knew literally nothing about this movie going really? into it. So I actually thought it was more like um, like a, a beach movie in California where it's just like a bunch of like teenagers hanging out on the beach and this like fucking creature comes out the scene that you always see is the one of the woman swimming yes with the thing underneath her but yeah and it doesn't tell you anything about where they're at but these um, movies are the best i'm sorry like the 50s and 60s horror movies are so good they're fun but it's about a scientific expedition searching for fossils along the amazon river they discover a prehistoric gill man and that was the actual question i got wrong was what was the name because i was like of the creature from the creature from the black lagoon and i think i said Schmegma or schmog, I don't know. <laughs> was n- nowhere near being close. Schmegma is something else. Well, to be fair, you both got it wrong. I, think, I didn't know there was a name. I was like the creature in the background. Yeah, schmegma is definitely something different. But I think schmogma. I don't. I I changed schmegma around a little bit because it just seemed right. Um, but anyways, um, so yeah, they discover this prehistoric gill man in the legendary Black Lagoon. The explorers capture the mysterious creature, but it breaks free. The gill man returns to kidnap the lovely Kay, fiance of one of the researchers, with whom it has fallen in love with. A uh, little bit of trivia. Ingmar Bergman, one of Mindy's favorites, watched this film every year on his birthday. Did you know that? I have actually heard that because my friend Shut shows up. this anyways. sometimes on uh- <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> We're going to do an Ingmar Bergman episode, though. Okay. I'm going to make you watch a bunch of his movies. I want to watch a bunch of his movies. It's on my list. Awesome. Um, Riku Browning, a professional diver and swimmer, was required to hold his breath for up to four minutes at a time for his underwater role as the Gill Man. This is because the director's logic was that the air would have to travel through the monster's gills and thus there would be no air bubbles coming from the mouth or nose. So that's, to me, kind of amazing that they thought that through so much. Yeah, And actually. also that some they found someone who was able to hold their breath for up to four minutes at a time. And the air bubbles would have come from the air tank that they would have had to hide inside the right. suit. And so that was why they why they went that way. Yeah, ex- exactly. There, there is definitely a lot of thought that went into this. Um, so obviously I was rooting for the creature the entire time and I just wanted everyone else to die because basically anytime humans fuck with nature, humans should lose because it's always, you know, that's always the case is that fucking humans. Oh, I discovered some creature (laughs) that there might only be one of them in the world. Let's just fucking kill it. Like, no, fuck you. Um, the creature itself, I think, was really, really well done considering like when this movie was made. Because not only did it have to be, uh, it had to look good on camera, but it had to be functional. Yeah. So that the actor can move around in it and it had to not fall apart underwater. So. It's important. It's an important detail. It, yeah, but. You but yeah, know, for the, yeah, for that time. To be able to combine something that was like functional and that looked good and held up underwater. Like, I don't know what special effects or practical effects were at that time or like costume design, but hey, they did a great fucking job. Um, The underwater scenes also seemed like a really big undertaking for that time. And I honestly could not tell if the scenes were shot in a tank or if they were shot on location, but I did do some research And it looks like all the underwater shots were actually shot in Wakula Springs, Florida. So I don't think they use a tank for any of it. That's, yeah, that's actually, I know that I wasn't, hadn't looked into it that deeply. So um, that's a really good point because, I mean, it looks like they're in the water. It doesn't look like they're in a tank in the movie. So they did a great job. Wow. The the cinematography, as you mentioned, the scene with, 
that they always show with the the woman swimming and he's kind of the you know the creature is swimming under her and like mimicking her uh, her movements it's almost like a um synchronized swimming yeah. act and it's just very beautifully shot except that he's in this giant ass costume <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah i i recommend it not scary obviously like i don't i don't really find any movies from the 50s or 60s to be really scary these horror films especially like the creature features but they're just so much fun to watch and um yeah i would recommend it i'm gonna talk about the 1987 robert scott directed the video dead never heard of this yep i bet this is a movie i found on amazon randomly i recommend it there is an actor who plays a very small part. There's no one in it that we know. I looked up on IMDb. Personally or otherwise. <laughs> right, exactly. But basically, the IMDb description of this is a family takes delivery of a new television set, unaware that it is the gateway by which killer zombies enter the world. The film starts out with a famous author, which I learned that by reading online, but um, he is the one who receives the television set and unleashes the zombies on the world. And then they don't really tell you how much long after, but brother and sister Jeff and Zoe move in and ready the house for the arrival of their parents who are in Saudi Arabia. Don't ask because it's not, (laughs) it's not explained. And I was like, okay, whatever. So these delivery guys come back to this home that now this brother and sister are like readying for their parents and say, oh, we were supposed to deliver the, the last delivery, which was a television set to the institution of parapsychological research or some shit. And it's just like off the chain, utterly ridiculous. Because, of course, the brother and sister find the TV in the basement and are like, there's a TV, plug it in, and shit happens. It's not a great movie, clearly, but it was a lot of fun to watch. Okay. Um, 1987, not scary, very fun. All right, so we're going to do one more movie, um, and then we'll continue the rest of this next week in the second part of this episode. Uh, So I saw a movie called I See You, which was free on Amazon Prime. It was made in 2019 and stars Helen Hunt. Yes, I've heard of this. I've heard of it, too. And I always read bad reviews about it. Um, But then I looked it up. I don't know. Maybe maybe the reviews on IMDb got higher because it actually the rating was pretty good. So they're a bad judge, though, because IMDb is based on like their own commentators. I, I agree. A lot of them are. Um, this one, I'm glad I actually watched it, though. Um, oh, okay. So I do not want to say much about this movie at all cool. because I do not want to give anything away. Uh, short explanation of what it's about. Strange occurrences plague a small-town detective and his family as he investigates the disappearance of a young boy without giving any more away I think it's a very clever movie okay. it's not what I expected I knew nothing about this movie going into it other than basically what I just read to you uh it's part paranormal maybe definitely mystery suspense uh okay. towards the end I actually was thinking it's falling apart a little bit but then it completely redeemed itself huh all right um Yeah, there's just a lot of layers and twists that I did not see coming. And the moral of the movie is basically do not have a big house and also get a security system with cameras. Oh, shit. (laughs) Well, this sounds like my kind of movie. Yeah, I think think you would like it. And honestly, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. Um, Because the people who did not like this movie were very, very, like, blunt in their opinions on why they didn't like it. Okay. And I just look at horror movies through a different lens. Like, I can't really critique them the same way I do, a, like, a regular movie, you know? Yeah. You, you have to allow for plot holes. You have to allow for suspension of disbelief. To a degree, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there's some movies that are just, like, absolute shit, 
um, and just ignore like every fucking rule possible or they just have like horrible acting and set design, production design, you know, all of that just across the board. They're just awful films. But like a movie like this, the acting's good. The storyline is good. Okay. You know, there's been similarly done movies like this, but nothing quite like this. But yeah, I recommend it. All right. I will watch it. Awesome. All right. So um, join us next week. Ooh, I've got an actual paranormal investigator movie that I watched, like a real one. We're going to talk about that next time. Cool. Yeah. But thank you all for listening to us and join us next week when we'll be discussing the rest of what we've been watching this month. Also, let us know what you've been watching this October. Yes. We hope that everyone's enjoying their Halloween month as much as we are. Um, I know it'd be great if we can go out and do more stuff. Uh, Haunted houses and all that type of shit. But maybe next year. Maybe next year. Also, if you're in the Chicagoland area, Sharon and I might have like bought everybody out of pumpkin ale just fyi <laughs> as always you can write into us at whores talk whore at gmail.com with all your ghost stories or creepy stories or halloween stories that we can share on our show and just please keep being kind to each other be safe happy halloween Woo! and as always thanks, thanks for, for getting, getting creepy, creepy with us Sharon, do you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.